Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, let's put it in. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it, guys? Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord? I'm expecting God to move in a special way, guys, and I'm excited about it. Uh, boy, before you sit down, turn to someone and just tell them, tell them Jesus is Lord. Can you do that? Tell them Jesus is Lord, then you can have a seat. Thank you so much. Jesus is Lord. So excited. Uh, guys, I, I, uh, I, uh, I have a full heart of expectation of how God's going to move. Um, you, you know, this last, uh, last, last eight days or so, maybe 10, I don't know. But uh, my family and I took a, took, a, took a little vacation, and I appreciate all the love and support. And I can tell you, um, it's really a good situation when you go on vacation, but you're looking forward to coming home. You're looking forward to coming to your church and our church, and we are blessed that we get to do this every weekend, guys, and we're blessed that we have you as a family. We're so blessed, so thank you so much for your love and your prayers and support. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we, uh, this was kind of a graduation celebration uh, for my family. My daughter's graduating, and, and we decided to go to, uh, to London and Paris. So while we were there, uh, while we were in Paris, uh, and incidentally, this message was written uh, in, in underneath between London and Paris, and you go on this train underwater. That's where it was written. Just to let you know, God was speaking to me there. And then God was speaking to me. It was a 10-hour flight from Paris or from London to Denver. It's a 10-hour flight. So while we were in the air 10 hours, I was working on the message in my seat, and the Lord moved in a special way. So this has really come from God. I'm excited about this message and how the Lord moved. But there were a lot of fun things, you know, great food and that kind of thing. But the thing that I love the most uh, that, that really resonated with me was uh, we always go to church wherever we're at, whatever weekend we're at. And while we were in Paris, we went to uh, Hillsong Church in Paris. And uh, we went to this service. It started at 10 o'clock a.m. And while we were there, um, the, the lyrics were, were written in there in French, but underneath all, all the lyrics was English. So we were able to sing. And in fact, the preaching was preached in French, but they had a translator in English. So we were locked in. Uh, but one of the songs we sang was a pretty popular song that we knew. And I just wanted to give you an, uh, just a little slide of, of that worship service and take a look at this. Isn't that beautiful? You know, when, uh, when we were there, that, that video, as I was taking it, I was, uh, you know, we knew the song, and uh, I was thinking, you know what? Jesus is a global savior. Jesus is a global savior. I just want that to sit in. Just let that sit in you. I mean, people all around the world have been changed by Jesus, just like you. 
People have experienced the grace of God just like you. People are going through battles just like you. People have hard weeks and good weeks and peaks and valleys and all that stuff just like you. There's not anything that you're going through that someone else isn't going through as well. And there's no situation you're facing that Jesus hasn't seen. And Jesus is at work everywhere. And when I was shooting that video, I was like this with my camera, you know, did my phone getting, getting footage. And it was such a blessing to see my entire family worshiping Jesus. That's just another story. But as I moved around, what you don't see is behind the camera, I have tears rolling down my cheeks, like, like, like ridiculous, embarrassing tears. And I don't want to wipe because there's nothing, but I just have these tears rolling down my cheeks because I could sense the spirit of the Lord. It's beautiful how the spirit of the Lord just crosses all kinds of languages. See, when you sense the spirit of the Lord, you're like, I'm not sure what we're singing in French, but I know Jesus isn't at the center of it. And, and that's what was happening. And that was the most exciting part for me for the whole trip, just, uh, uh, that just, just doing that. So I want you to keep me in prayer as I deliver this message right now. My body tells me it's two o'clock in the morning. Give you an idea where I'm at. So I appreciate your prayers and I'm so excited. It feels like I preach at, when I go preach at retreat, sometimes it's like this, where I just keep preaching. So it feels like that. But uh, I am super excited about this and, and I want to pray before we get started. Can we do that? God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're a global savior. Thank you for your presence that I sense right now. And Lord, I just know that right now, I mean, there's right now we're worshiping you, Jesus, but there's people all across the world at every moment, every hour that are worshiping you, Jesus. And I pray that you move here, God, in a special way. Change hearts, transform hearts, move in the heart of the people that are watching this online, watching this by video on YouTube or our live.thorncreek.church. Just, just have your way, God. Change hearts, transform us, Lord. Give us a new perspective of who you are. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 God is good. God is good. I want to um, share something. Uh, these are the words of Jesus. We're in this series called uh, Red Letters, and we're looking at the words of Jesus. And, and by the way, if you're watching online, thank you for watching online. You, you, were, you, were, you just jumped into a series where we're just looking at the words of Jesus. So this is a phenomenal series. Super excited about it. We're going to be in John chapter 6 today. And in John chapter 6, um, you read about one of the most famous miracles. It's called the feeding of the, how many thousands? Anybody know? 5,000, right? Feeding of the 5,000. Jesus feeds a bunch of people with a few fish and a few loaves. And he becomes incredibly popular. Incredibly popular. And uh, the crowd grows and he's just like, and you know, his approval rating is at an all-time high, and people are enjoying his, uh, his, his ministry, and they're following him. They're following him. And, uh, and then he shares some things in John chapter 6, beginning at verse, uh, <clears throat> verse 35. Verse 35. You know what, guys? Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. Can we do that? I think it's a good thing. We're going to read quite a few verses, so uh, it's going to be all right, though. I think you'll live, hopefully. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be what, church? Never be what? But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. 
all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate, ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply against themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in, in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Wow. Lord, open up our eyes, soften our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The title of today's message is Crazy Talk. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone when you just feel like, well, now they're talking crazy? 
You ever had that kind of conversation? Um, uh, this crowd is gathered around Jesus and they just ate fish tacos and life is good. And all of a sudden, Jesus just turns around and he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And it, the mood changes. Have you ever been in a conversation where the mood changes? And we, you know, like, well, I thought we were having a good time. And then you said that. And what happened? There's a little tension in the air all of a sudden. What happened? What do you do when God asks too much from you? You thought you were on the same page with God. You thought you had an agreement. You thought things were okay, and you thought you figured out God. You thought you knew what God's will for your life was. You thought you understood everything he wants from you. And you thought, you know what? Life is good. I've got salvation in my pocket and he's hearing my prayers and there's blessings and I got it all. I understand who God is. I understand what he wants from me. And all of a sudden God throws something down. What do you do when you feel like, God, you're asking too much for me? What do you do? And maybe for you, it's when, when, when God says, I, I want to be Lord of your life. I want to be your savior. I want to be your all in all. I want you to go full send with me. What do you do in that moment? You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just wanted to download you on my app and come. I want, I want to look at you when I want to. You're asking too much for me, God. What do you do when God says, I want you to honor me with your finances? Whoa, whoa. Now we're going crazy. What do you do when God says, I want you to start a ministry? I want you to start a, a business. I want you to serve me. And you're thinking, you know what? I don't have that much time, God. I don't know what you're thinking. You're going crazy now. You're talking crazy. What do you do when God says, I want you to, to fast for a day? I don't want you to eat anything. I just want you to drink water. And now the whole day, I want you to fast. What do you do in that moment when you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign it. What do you do when God says, I want you to leave your family for me? What do you do when God says, I want you to walk away from that relationship? What do you do when God says, I want you to leave that situation? What do you do when God asks you to do something that you did not expect him to ask of from you? What do you do? I don't know if we're that different from this crowd. Because the truth is, I think all of us like blessings, don't we? Don't we all like good health? Isn't good health like a good thing? Don't we all like, 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 like money and finances and a better life and a quality of life? Don't we all agree? I mean, it doesn't matter whether you, you walk with God or you don't. I think all of us agree that's a good thing. But what do you do when God says, I want you to work through your pain. I want you to work through your fear. I want you to work through your hurt. I want you to serve. I want you to love your enemies. What do you do when God asks you to do something that you didn't expect? What do you do when God says, I'm not done with you. I'm going to use you. I want to use you. I want to use you in better, in, better, in better days. What do you do? I think we can, we can kind of put God in a box. And we can say, you know what, God, I did this. This was my time. I did this and I'm done. And from here on on, I'm just riding my golf court all the way to South Florida. And life is good. And you just bring on the blessings. And I'm going to go to heaven one day. And your job, if that's what you're at, you just need to know God has a bigger purpose in your life than for you to just breathe. 
He has a bigger purpose in your life than for you to be comfortable. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, don't get comfortable. Can you do that? Tell them, don't get comfortable. Tell them, don't get, tell them God's not done with you yet. Turn to the person behind you, even if you don't know them. And tell them the person in front of you, tell them God's not done with you yet. God has a plan for you. You got to get a hold of this. Maybe Jesus is telling you to do something crazy. What do you do when, you, when any, anybody who's just stoic people in the house, you don't, what do you do during service if God tells you, I want you to lift your hands and worship me? What do you do if God tells you, I want you to get on your knees in the middle of worship service and I want you to cry out to me in the middle of that song? We're talking crazy now, aren't we? And we say, you know what, I'm going to go back to that church. They're just crazy over there. I don't want to, you know what's most important is my comfort. What do you do when God asks you to do things that you don't expect? I want you to go and I want you to ask for forgiveness from that person. Oh, but they hurt me. They should be coming to me. No, 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 no. What do you do when God starts talking crazy to you and says, I want you to do it? What do you do? What do you do when God says, I want you to leave your job, but you don't have another job? What do you do when God says, I want you to honor me when you don't have nothing? What do you do when your calculator looks different from God's calculator? What do you do when God starts talking, when Jesus starts talking crazy? Verse 53, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This is when Jesus starts talking crazy. He says this and people don't know how to receive this. They're like, okay, we were, we were good. We were good, God. You just fed us. And we're, you know, we get food and we're being healed. That's a good thing. Now, why do you have to go off and say that, Jesus? Why are you doing that? Verse 66 says this. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. It was too much. I ain't going to go back to that church. They asked me crazy. Their service went for three hours. I ain't going to go back to that church. They're crazy over there. Three hours service. Don't they know I'm busy? Don't they know I got things to do? Don't they know that? I'm a very important person. <laughs> I'm going to step on some toes today, guys, and I'm so tired. I don't care. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So it's cool. I figured, you know what? If a whole bunch of people left Jesus, it's okay. It's okay. God's job is not to keep you happy. God's job is not to make sure you're in your comfort all the time. God's not, job is, 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 is not to just make sure everything goes your way all the time. That's not his job. Scripture says, many with you. Now, I think Jesus just turned the situation around because up to this point, he has all these followers and they're recipients of an incredible miracle. They all have full stomachs, right? The miracle of Jesus is inside their bellies. And they're not all full out committed to Jesus because they're walking with Jesus. And it's almost like Jesus just knows their heart. He does know their heart. And he turns around and he throws this down. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not with me. And it, he, you know what he pulled out? He pulled out the, the spiritual gap between their heart 
and his heart. See, they were going to church, but they weren't really sold out to Jesus. They called themselves a follower of Jesus, but they really weren't following Jesus in their hearts. And Jesus just exposed it like only Jesus can do. And, and he says this. And incidentally, um, this is not cannibalistic stuff. Jesus is not saying literally eat my flesh, literally drink my blood. Incidentally, that's Catholicism. It's called transubstituation. I'm tired, guys. That's what it's called. And that idea is it's literally the body and literally the blood. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. In fact, when you look at John chapter 6, a lot of people think this is related to communion. It's not. Communion doesn't come on the scene for one year later after John chapter 6. That's when communion comes onto the scene. This is not related to communion. This is related to a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, are you really with me? Do you really want more of me? No, 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 no. Have you really died to yourself? Have you really gone to that place where it's not about your wishes, your hurts, your feelings, your security, your battles, whatever? Is it about Jesus or is it about your desires? What is it about? As I look at this, I think, you know, Jesus said an incredible word. He said, I am the bread of life. This is an invitation. Jesus said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, this is an invitation to something bigger than yourself. When he said, I'm the bread of life, it's really interesting that he talks about bread because bread is such a staple, you know, in our, in our food, in our dietary. I mean, it is said you can go on bread and water for a long time, right? Bread is, how many of you have bread in your homes? I just pulled bread out of the freezer this morning. We have bread, don't we? Every time you get a slice of bread in your home, I want you to think about Jesus. He's the bread of life. And Jesus uses this metaphor. It's like, you know what? You don't understand what's happening. People, they're thinking about, I need to eat. I want to eat. I'm hungry, physically hungry. But they're thinking about things of this world, things of the earth. And Jesus takes a spiritual truth. And he brings it down and he says, here, let me help you understand who I am. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Do you get it? I'm the bread of life. Bread is used all the time. You know, in the Christian circles, we said we're going to break bread together. That means we're going to just chill out and eat together or something. Or in, in Passover, in Jewish Passover, bread is really significant. In, in the table of showbread, in the tabernacle, bread is really significant. And of course, in Exodus, you read about bread coming down. Bread is a staple. Someone said Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where they can find bread. That's all it is. That's all it is. See, inside all of us, the reason why you're at church, the reason why you're, you're here right now, I want you to know, is because God put a spiritual appetite inside of you. And he's using circumstances in your life to draw to him. And the spiritual appetite can only be filled when you come to the bread of life. Nothing else will fill you 
like the bread of life. Nothing else will do it. And when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, there's seven I am statements in the book of John. Famous statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life is one of them, but I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. Seven incredible statements. And the words I am are really significant. I want you to just look at this through the eyes of this Jewish audience when they heard this. I am is not the first time they hear this. In Exodus chapter 3, God replied to Moses because Moses said, "Who who do I tell Pharaoh is sending me? And verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The words I am speak of the character of God. It speaks of his self-sufficiency existence. Theologians call it aseity. We're going to just get theological here, guys. Aseity. This is what aseity is. The aseity of God is his attribute of independent self-existence. God is the uncaused cause, the uncreated creator. He is the source of all things, the one who originated everything and who sustains everything that exists. The aseity of God means that he is the one in whom all other things find their source, existence, and continuance. He is the ever-present power that sustains all life. Wow. So when Jesus said, I am, that's what they heard. Wow. You know what, what this also speaks to? It means God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, they heard him say, he is all-sufficient. And he talks about this manna. Verse 49 says, Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And this bread, when you read about the story, this is when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. How did they get into the wilderness? They didn't trust God. And they should have gone into the promised land. But after 40 days of scouting the promised land, they got cold feet. They were afraid. And they said, we don't want to face any of those giants. We don't want to go to battle. So we'd rather not go fight them instead. I'd rather be safe on this side. And God said, you know what? Because you didn't go to battle. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years now because you were afraid. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And you see God's grace in this, don't you? Even in the midst of their punishment for not trusting God, what does God do? God sends them manna from heaven. Every morning they woke up. Do you you know God is gracious to you? even when you mess up in your sin, even when you're in the wrong place, 
in the wrong situation, at the wrong job, in the wrong relationship, in the wrong bar, whatever it is, you see God's grace reaching out to you. Glory to God. In the wrong bed. You see his grace. And God provides manna to the Israelites, even though they refuse to trust God. That's the grace of God. It's mercy. It's, it's forgiveness. It's redemptive. It's like even when we go down the wrong road, God is still with you. God loves you. Somebody needs to hear that. God loves you. God sees you. God is with you. He cares about you. And you're not too far for God. He hasn't given up on you. You may have given up on yourself, but God hasn't given up on you. You know what manna means? What is this? When it came down from heaven and there's these flakes all over the ground and God told them only gather for that morning and don't you gather for the freezer. Just gather for the morning. There was an element of trust. I'm just going to gather enough for today and I'm going to trust God to provide for tomorrow. You hear that? See, God wants you to depend on him. He wants you to depend on him over and over. And the question they asked when it came down was, what is this? And that's manna. And I don't think that's coincidental because Jesus is standing in front of them. And you know what they're asking? Who is this? Who is this? We thought his job was to just give us fish tacos whenever we want fish tacos and to heal the sick and to take care of the lame and cast out demons. And now he's saying, drink my blood, eat my flesh. What is this? Who is this? Who is he? And I think, I think the message that we have here that he's telling them is the same message he's telling us. And here it is. Jesus is more than you think. Jesus is more than you think. I don't know what you think about Jesus, but he is more than you think. Jesus is more than a free meal. He's more than someone you worship at church every once in a while. He's more than some spiritual figure, some historical figure. He's more than a good teacher. He's more than a one-time need. Jesus is more than you think. Way more than you think. He's more than maybe what your understanding was. or He's more than, than what you think he is. He's more than you think. The crowd did not get that. They didn't get that. Are we all that different from the crowd? What do you think? Would you have stayed with Jesus or would you have walked? Most walked, if not all. Just a handful stayed with Jesus. I mean, if you were looking at him as a pastor, you would say he's a fail because his church left him. You would say, look, everybody left him, so there must be something wrong with him. He's got a problem. He said too much. You would, that's what we do. We, we define by numbers. That's how we define success. Would you have walked? When you look at this crowd, you see a couple of things. You see, you see a wrong motive, and you see a wrong attitude in this crowd. And you read about their motive. It, it, uh, uh, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Verse 26, he says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. And I think we can approach God like this. 
We can totally go to God and say, God, I need your job is to bless me. Your job is to take care of me. That's your job, God. Here it is. And we, we approach God with open hands and we say, God, this is your job. But we can fall in love with our lifestyle and not in love with our God. I like the way, I like the way a man named uh, David Wilkerson said it. He said, some people went just enough of Jesus to escape judgment, to feel forgiven, to keep a good reputation, to endure an hour of church every Sunday. Such people are in maintenance mode and they give Jesus only the bare requirements, church attendance, a muttered daily prayer, perhaps a quick glance at scripture. In short, these Christians avoid getting too close to Jesus. They know if they read much of his word or spend any time praying, the Holy Spirit will make demands on their lives. And the one thing they don't want to change is their lifestyle. In their minds, getting to know Jesus puts everything they value at risk. Wow. How close do you want to get to Jesus? If you get too close, he might ask you to do something that you don't want to do. So keep your distance from him. Keep your distance from him. If you get too close, he might speak to you about something that you don't want to give up. So keep your distance from him. Keep your distance from him. The devil wants you to keep your distance from Jesus. The devil wants you to keep your distance and he will convince you that where you're at is okay. It's fine. It's adequate. You don't need to do anything else. But Jesus is saying, come a little bit closer. (laughs) Come a little bit closer. I'm not done with you. Come a little bit closer. And we have this incredible decision to make. Are we going to come closer to Jesus? Oh, if you get closer to Jesus, then that means he might ask you to do something that, you know what? I, and and the, real, the real issue is, do I want to? Because I like my life the way it is. And there's a fear of the unknown. We're just like the Israelites at the border of the promised land. I don't know if I want to face any giants. I don't know if I want to be hurt again. I don't know if I want to be tired. I don't know if I want to go into that battle. I don't know if I want to go into that fight. I don't know if I want to take a step into the unknown. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep my distance where it's safe and it feels good and I'm going to heaven. See, you're more in love with your life than the life Jesus wants to give you. Mm, hello. Am I preaching to anybody? Is anybody feeling this? Put your hands together if this is you. If this is not you, don't clap. (laughs) And Jesus is saying, come on now. Come on now. I've got a life for you. I've got a life for you. Are you willing to cross that line? Here's some questions to ask yourself about your own motives. Are you motivated to have a relationship with God based on what you get out of that relationship? 
Are you motivated to ask for forgiveness because you're living with guilt? Is that your only motivation? Is your relationship with God driven by comfort? Do you see God as a means to an end? Do you treat the grace of God as cheap, expendable, disposable? Is your goal to avoid fear? Avoid battles? I want you to hear this. Jesus wants you to digest his will for your life. He wants to take you to places. Oh, let's put this up here. Yeah, he wants to take you to places of fear. Hear that. He wants to take you to places of fear, risk, discomfort, and yes, weakness. So that you see his glory through your eyes. This is so good, guys. He wants to take you to this place of risk and fear and discomfort and weakness so that you can get to the end of yourself and you can recognize he is the bread of life. All I need is him. Jesus wants to take you to that bring. Our problem is, is we don't want to go there. I've got enough of Jesus. I don't, I don't need to do all that. And Jesus is saying, you want more? You want some more? You want some more? And some of us, maybe we would have walked. Maybe we would have walked. The other thing is you see the wrong attitude. It says, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Don't you find that odd? Jesus says, drink my blood and eat my flesh and he kind of throws down you know, the mic and says, I want you to eat and drink and do this. And what they do is they argue with each other. And I thought about that, like, why would they argue with each other? I think any time we're challenged at a deep personal level, any time we're restless, any time we see the gap in our own character, any time we look in the mirror and we see something that we don't like, any time we see where we're, where we, I think there's a restlessness that happens inside of us and we become angry and we might lash out to others, but the truth is we're angry at ourselves. We don't like ourselves. So I need you to not like me as much as I don't like me. I need you to look down on me as much as I look down on me. And I think it comes from this place of sin. It comes from this place of restlessness. And they start to argue with each other. Do you know anyone who just likes to argue? You know anyone like that? Are you sitting by anyone? Just point at them right now. If you're sitting, <laughs> uh, you know who I'm talking about. Anyone who just likes to argue. They just, it's like a game for them. It's not fun for them unless they're arguing. Anybody like that? You know what I'm talking about? You know who you are. God knows who you are. God knows who you are. You know, the Bible says we shouldn't argue. That's what it says. And we argue about a lot of stuff. We'll argue about politics. Sometimes I just throw something out there just to see an argument, just for fun. That's just a horrible side of me. But I just know the way people are. 
I mean, people who call themselves Christians will argue about the strangest things. Church, theology, music, hymns, whatever. Schools, work, whatever. The weather, let's just argue about the weather. We should just argue about that. We should just argue about that. Second Timothy says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. <laughs> with difficult people. Proverbs says this, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. The wise people. The wise people. You know what, church? Let's be a church that sees God at work. Let's be a church that sees how God is moving and celebrate that. Part of the problem with this crowd is this. We want the benefits of following Jesus without the cost of following Jesus. That's part of the problem. I'll follow Jesus. If I just stay close enough with him, it means I'm going to get a free meal. If I stay close enough to him, it means I have a great health insurance plan. If I just stay close enough with him, my quality of life increases. So I want the benefits of following Jesus, but I don't want the cost of following Jesus. And Jesus, what he did was he exposed the cost. And he said, if you really want to walk with me, you got to drink my blood and eat my flesh. He exposed the cost. And you know what they said? It's too much. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. I'm not willing, I don't, I'm not willing to spend that much. I'm not willing to give up that much. You know what? I don't have it. It's too much. And forget it. I'm not going to do it. And if you think about this mentality, we have this mentality in life all the time. It's how much can I get for the minimum amount that I put in? We, we do it in relationships. We don't, we don't like to commit to things. And we say, well, let's just do this. But I don't really want to commit. I want a way out. I don't really want to commit. I want to be a part of a church, but I don't want to commit to the church. Hello. I want to, I want to have a relationship with him or her. I want to have a relationship with him, but I don't want to commit. I don't want to commit. I want a way out, like a cell phone provider, where I can drop them anytime I want. I want to do that. You know what? Call me a Christian. Call me a good person. I just don't want to. I need to keep my options open. I just need to keep my options open. It, it's wisdom. It's smart. I need to keep my options open. There are places that God wants to take you that you could only go if you fully commit to him. There are places and things that God wants to do in you and through you that you could only experience if you fully commit to him. And the problem is we're so in love with our own life. And the devil has convinced you, you don't need anything else and you don't need Jesus. We hold on to our life. Jesus said, if you want to find real life, you got to lose it. You got to lose it. The devil doesn't want you to fully commit. Let me say it like this. Jesus wants to take you places you'll never go on your own. He wants to use you in ways you'd never imagine. He wants to do things through you that you didn't think were possible. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. What if God told you you're at work and God says, I want you to go share your faith with him down the hall or her down the hall. Same sex. Let's do that, guys. Say, I want you to go. I want you. What if God told you, I want you, you're at, you're at a restaurant and God says, I want you to go tell that person sitting at the table what I'm doing in your life. Are we getting crazy talk now right now? This is crazy talk, isn't it? You say, oh, no, God, you don't understand the way things work down here. We got to go. We got to honor space over here. God, I can get fired if I do that. God, you don't understand the way this works. God, my livelihood could be in jeopardy. I don't want to do that. Crazy talk. Are you willing to do anything? Are you willing to eat his flesh and drink his blood? You need to fully commit. Some of you need to fully commit because you're not fully committed yet. You need to fully commit. Jesus makes this incredible promise. He says, whoever comes to me will never, never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, I want, to, I want you to read it like he said it. So in the original Greek language, the word never is emphatic. So it, it's, it's more like this. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I want you to say it like you have some soul in you, okay? Say it like it, say it, say it, like it was written. Let's go. Whoever comes to me will never. go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never. be thirsty. Let's say the whole thing. Now read it out loud together, the whole thing. Whoever comes to me will never. go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never. be thirsty. That's what it says. Never. Never. You know the word there? is Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. You will never need to worry. Not a moment of your life again. You will never need to fear again. Glory to God. You guys hear that? Are you just, are you receiving that? I mean, this is a word. You will never be anxious about anything. You will never need to stress. Turn to the person next to you and just say, don't stress. Don't tell them, don't stress. You will never need to worry. You will never be anxious. He will never leave you or forsake you. You will never be afraid. That's what this word is never. That's what it's about. And this whole idea is if you choose to go a little closer and you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you will never be hungry. You will never be thirsty. The message here is this. Once you turn to Jesus, you will never need to turn to anything else to find satisfaction. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I put your hands. When you turn to Jesus, there's this incredible thing happens and you eat his flesh. I'm talking spiritually, guys. When you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you will find this satisfaction, this fulfillment in life that you cannot get from sex or money or power or fame or anything else that this world gives you. And the truth is, when you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you're going to look at all those things that used to satisfy you differently. 
You hear what I'm saying? You'll look at those things and you'll say, yep, there was temporary pleasure in that. But I found true satisfaction here. I will never be thirsty. I will never be hungry. He has given me everything I need and want and even more, even more. Glory to God. Glory to God. Your God loves you. See, really what you're doing is you're questioning the character of God. God, if I, if I go deeper with you, are you really going to take care of me? If I obey you and you want me, I mean, are you really going to take care of me? If I step out to the unknown, if I step out by faith, if I trust you, if I cross that line and face those giants, if I face my fears, are you really going to be with me? Some of you need to ask God for forgiveness because you haven't crossed that line because of fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the battle. Fear of what if. Your, your life, you are loved by Jesus. He went to the cross for you. He's here right now in this room. He's building up churches across the world. He's moving. He's reviving. He's stirring you. He's a loving Savior. He's a loving God. The only one you have to please in your life is God. He's the only one you have to worry about pleasing in your life. He will take care of you. He'll watch over you. He will be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. You don't have any worries. You got no worries. But don't settle on something else when Jesus is the bread of life. This is not the first time he talks about this. In Isaiah, God paints this picture of thirsting. He tells the Israelites the same thing. He says, they will, not, they will not hunger or thirst, nor will the scorching heat or sun strike them down. For he who has compassion on them will lead them and will guide them to springs of water. That's what God, and this, this passage right here is referring to a day of restoration for the Israelites. That's what this passage is about. It's a day when they could rest and trust him every single day. And it's exactly what God wants from you. Jesus said in verse 47, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Let's read that together. Very truly I tell you. Come on. The one who believes has eternal life. Do you know what that word believes there? It's not, it's not just an intellectual thought. Don't fool yourself. It's not just some intellectual decision you make. It's not in my mind, I'm going to do this. You know what it means? It means, I'm going to put it like this. This is the original language. To believe in Jesus means you trust him, rely on him, and cling to him. That's what that word believe there means. It means to trust, rely, and cling to Jesus. Hold on to him. It means you face fears and unknowns why? Because he is living inside of you. You've eaten his flesh. You drank his blood. You're in it. You're in it. You are pregnant with Jesus. He is digesting inside of you. It's no longer about you. It's no longer about what you're upset about. 
It's no longer about what bothers you. It's no longer about your desires. You've died to yourself and he is living inside of you. It's no longer about you. It's about Jesus. It's not about your opinions. It's not about your fears. It's not about your worries. It's not about your desires. It's about Jesus who's living inside of you. Glory to God. Wow. I just feel like the Lord is speaking to someone here in a powerful way. I think we have some people, you've been following Jesus for the bread and the fish. And Jesus is saying, I want you to get so close to me that you're afraid of what he might say to you. (laughs) That you're afraid of what he might ask of you. And I just wonder if there's anybody here who was willing to die to themselves and say, I'll take your flesh, Jesus, and I'll do whatever you want. I'll drink your blood, Jesus, and I'll do do whatever I want. Here's what I want to say. You don't want to get to the end of your life. You don't want to get to the end of your life and have this lingering question inside of your head. And the lingering question would be this. What if... I fully committed myself to Jesus. What would my life have looked like if I fully committed myself to Jesus? What fears would I have stepped on over? (laughs) What giants would I have slain? What worries would I have stepped on? What, what What walls would I have broke through And let me just throw this down. How many people, how many people would know God if you fully committed yourself to Jesus? See, there's people around you in your circle that need to know Jesus. There's people in your house that need to know Jesus. And if you don't step through that, it doesn't only hurt you, it hurts them as well. Because we're all missionaries, guys. We're all missionaries at school, at work, at home. What would it look like if you went all out? The book of Revelation, God gives us this picture of heaven. Chapter seven says, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. And look at verse 16. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb, that's Jesus, at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Praise the Lord. There's revelation right there. There's a picture of the population. Yeah, put your hands together. It's a picture of the population of heaven. It's a picture of the population of heaven. So I just have have one question for you right now. Uh, Anybody want some bread? Anybody want some bread? 
Anybody want to digest this? Not, 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 I'm talking spiritually. I need this for tomorrow. I'm talking spiritually. Anybody want some bread? Yeah? Are you willing to, to go to that place where you're willing to say, Jesus, I want more of you. I'm willing to digest you in my life. Even if it means this is the cost. Are you there? Anybody willing to do that? Anybody willing to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm done. I'm not going to play anymore. I want to get so close to you, Jesus. I want you to work inside of me. Let me just tell you, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants you to turn to him with all of your heart and say, Jesus, I'll face my giants. I'll face my fears. I'll face the unknown. I'll face my worries. I'll face my anxious thoughts. I'll face whatever it is you want me to face. As long as you're living inside of me, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do, Jesus. I love you above everything else, Jesus. I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You ready to do that? I know, crazy talk, crazy talk. Go to another church that doesn't have crazy talk, guys. Go to another, it's okay. This is a crazy talk church right here. We're gonna speak what the Bible has to say. We're gonna challenge you to digest Jesus. You could find a church that doesn't talk crazy, it's okay. They'll have 55-minute sermons or messages. I should be careful what I say right now. <laughs> just turn to Jesus with all of your heart. You guys ready for this? I want to just challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to do something. Do something crazy this week. This week, do something crazy. What is it? Do something crazy this week. I mean, within God's will. Do something crazy this week. Do something that takes you to another level this week. And I want to talk to anyone who's crazy out there, who's ready to take this step. If you're ready to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and you don't care what other people think, I want you to stand up really quickly on the count of three. One, two, three, go. Stand up really quickly. Only if you're willing to. If you're not, stay sitting down. Praise the Lord. Put your hands together. You're going to do this. Oh, if you're ready to say this prayer and ask Jesus into your heart, say, Jesus, right now I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. Take all of me. Right now I become a Christian. I give you my life. Others of you who are ready to eat his flesh and drink his blood, would you say this prayer? Jesus, I'm willing to go to the place where there's fear, where there's risk. I'm willing to grow closer to you. I want to digest you, Jesus, within myself. And I'm willing, I'm willing to pay the cost. I'm going to trust you Jesus above all else and I'm going to tell other people where to find some bread thank you for your presence thank you for your spirit thank you we love you Jesus it's in your name we pray all this and all the crazy people said 